Namaste India. Um, today, I have a very important talk. This is uh, um, because Kancha Ilaya, who is a very prominent Dalit Christian in India, globally connected, one of the champions of uh, what I have called Breaking India Forces, aligned with the Dalit Freedom Network based in uh, Colorado and with branches in many European countries. Uh, he has written two articles in a row against me, naming me. Uh, one was last, uh, last week and one was uh, last night, yesterday, uh, or, or maybe in India today, in Scroll Magazine, in which he names me as the first sort of, uh, of three uh, persons that he wants to target. The other two are uh, Dr. Subramanian Swami and uh, Lord Meghna Desai in England as people who are creating a lot of uh, discontent and harm and were anti-India. He calls us anti-India. So uh, I, I want to first of all, and he is introduced in this article. I'm going to I have a few, I have the article right here. So I'm going to tell you, he's introduced as the irrepressible social scientist. Um, so it's now science, okay? And the shepherd. Now shepherd is a Christian term, uh, somebody who leads a flock of sheep. So sheep is like bakri in India. So if you follow a shepherd, it is, uh, you are the bakri. No agency, no voice of your own. You just follow blindly where the shepherd takes you. That's the kind of idea. You don't question, you don't challenge. So he's called himself a shepherd. I'll give you a little background and then I'll respond to his points. He wrote a book called Why I Am Not a Hindu, in which he really blasts Hinduism for all the things, you know, Hinduism is bad against, you know, women and Dalits and minorities and all kind of pro human rights problems all over the place. It is full of superstition, it is unscientific, it's backward, and of course Christianity is the solution. But interestingly, after that he wrote a book and he was, he was uh, celebrated all over the world. They brought him on talks and tours all over the academic world and media became a big darling by writing this kind of stuff. Uh, and then he wrote a book called The Post-Hindu India which means India after Hinduism is finished. And he calls for a revolution in India to overthrow what he terms Buffalo Spiritualism, which is the title of another book of his, Buffalo Spiritualism, which means very aggressive Hindu kind of, uh, you know, domination that he wants to uh, overthrow. And this book was launched uh, by top politicians in India. You should know that uh, he is one of the, he's co-authored with a lot of, uh, uh, people in the same kind of business uh, and is a darling of the Dalit Freedom Network, DFN, Dalit Freedom Network, which is headquartered in Denver, Colorado. And the, the uh, founder of uh, Dalit Freedom Network is a Joseph D'Souza, who is also, uh, uh, you know, spends a lot of time in Colorado uh, and who's also head of the All India Christian Council, which claims to have 2,000 Christian denomination organizations across India. So it is, Dalit Freedom Network gives the foreign voice, international voice to Christians. And you should see the kind of activities they do, which I will tell you about. So uh, he says that the Dalit Freedom Network, the Joseph D'Souza, who is his partner and collaborator and the head of the Dalit Freedom Network, says that the DFN grew out of the All India Christian Council's need to facilitate work in the United States. Okay, so it was specifically to do work in the United States. So the question is work, what work? I mean, there are already Christians here. 
The work is lobbying, political lobbying, getting their money and giving them political support by supplying them with atrocity literature. So they are, uh, 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 he's very highly regarded by the Christian coalition, Pat Robertson, all these kind of ultra-right-wing kind of people. And they, uh, the Dalit Freedom Network hosted a conference in Washington, D.C., targeting U.S. Uh, Congress and Senate people. Uh, the title was Racism and Caste-Based Discrimination in India. Racism and Caste-Based Discrimination in India, Implications for U.S.-India Relations. Now, the purple and uh, uh, naturally, Kancha Ilaya was the star speaker at that conference, supplying them with evidence and data about racism in India. And they called for that, in the, one of the purposes, the main purpose of the conference was to call for sanctions, U.S. sanctions against India. So they were lobbying to uh, what, what would be their equivalent of the Rajya Sabha and Lok Sabha combined, uh, having a conference uh, for those people to convince them that uh, the human rights violations in India have reached such an extent that they need to intervene uh, in the name of human rights, and f uh, the first step would be sanctions. Uh, now, he's also uh, co-authored with another well-known uh, Christian evangelist scholar, Arthur Bonner. Okay? Arthur Bonner writes a lot of books on Shudras and Dalits and evangelism and Jesus, what Jesus' message is. He also writes about uh, similar movements they have in Latin America to go after the native people and do all these sort of similar things there. Now, um, Kancha Ilaya is very connected with uh, the NGO, foreign funded NGO network. Uh, we've already done a debate with John Dayal on that. He's very, uh, so this guy is also very connected, getting foreign funded, uh, foreign funded NGOs organized into these sort of activities. Now, the strange thing is that uh, the hypocrisy I see is that uh, people like Kancha Ilaya in the United States are very openly, publicly aligned with the Christian right-wing people who call themselves fundamentalist Christians. Uh, you know, his, the, he comes on television, he comes on various shows, he's moved around a lot to give talks. And it's a very clearly uh, uh, Christian platform on which they are. But in India, he positions himself as a person championing uh, the cause of uh, liberal, left-wing, human rights type of things. So the, 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 what is Christian right in the United States uh, and, and is always fighting the liberal left in the United States, the Republicans and Democrats, in India they join, they combine to attack a common enemy, which is the Hindu, uh, Hindu uh, substratum and the Hindu architecture and the Hindu foundation. So in his article, he um, targets, he, he characterizes NRIs. So I'm a bad NRI, but there are good NRIs and bad NRIs. So I'll explain to you what he says. So the good NRIs are two, three kinds, according to his article. He says one is a group of people who are multicultural uh, and they're okay with blacks and Hispanics. Okay. As if we're not. As if we are not. Okay. Um, what he means is the, the left wing uh, people he wants to pander to because they also patronize him. Uh, the bad guys are the Hindu NRIs. 
Now, what is their problem, according to him, his allegations? One of them is that they're importing Hindu culture from India. That's a problem for him. But he should know that white Americans, decades ago, started importing yoga, Hindu culture. They started importing meditation. They started importing vegetarianism and made it a part of American life, which now is considered very important for health reasons also. The idea of a spiritual ecosystem, the whole geography and sacredness of the earth became very important part of the counterculture in this country, the United States, is from India. The sacredness, the feminine as a sacred divine, the, 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 the divinity in a feminine form is not in the Abrahamic religions, it's brought from India. So what exactly is going on is, there is one group who are importing Recharacterizing, reformulating, digesting into Christianity. And, but you know, if they were to acknowledge that to people in India, then the evangelism program, the missionary program, the proselytizing program would take a setback because people will say, Why should I convert to you? We already got all these things. I already got these things in my village. My ancestors have these things. Why do I need to convert to Christianity and get these things? You are taking your future. The future of Christianity, the liberal Christianity, the advancement of Christianity is based on appropriating and digesting from my culture. Why should I have, why do I have to convert to you? That's what the average Indian would say. So they don't want to uh, acknowledge that they're uh, appropriating these things. So the second part uh, of the movement are people like Kanchailaya, who are going around saying that Hinduism is the source of problems and Christianity is the solution. So what, what the contradiction? What the hypocrisy? And his job is to be the champion of the victims, so to speak, the people who are sort of victims of Hinduism. He has to go and do the drama uh, and, and, you know, get compensated for that, be, be made into an important celebrity. Now, uh, the multiculturalism that he says we lack, he doesn't understand what multiculturalism in the United States means. He says that the Chinese are uh, proud of their identity but they're not uh, putting a religion on their badge. On, uh, it's not a religion badge. What he doesn't understand is the nature of American identity, the nature of immigration in this country, the nature of minorities is filled with religious identities. All you have to do is go for the Irish Day Parade and St. Patrick's all over. You go for the Italian Americans. You go for the Jew the Jewish Americans have events. The Muslim Americans have events. The Hispanic Americans are extremely Christian. So the idea of, of religion uh, is a very important part of uh, identity formation in the United States. And as far as the Chinese are concerned, the Chinese were brought in as indentured laborers and they were kind of almost like slaves many decades ago. And the Chinese were told that if you Christianize, there'll be less prejudice against you. So the Chinese in America Christianized on a large scale, but generations later, the prejudice did not go away. Uh, it only went away in the last 10-15 years in the United States because of China's economic might and political might. So it's the economic and political clout that helped the Chinese not becoming Christians. So the solution he's recommending to help Indians is not something that the Chinese uh, used uh, effectively. In fact, if Christianizing would solve problems, then why, why are there all these problems in Latin America? Why are there problems facing African-Americans in this country. I mean, if Christianizing would solve their human rights problems and their status in the world and their status everywhere, why would there be so much prejudice today within a Christian society against minority, racial minorities? And why wouldn't, they, why wouldn't people like him first go to 
uh, you know, right next to Princeton, which is a very prestigious elite town, uh, right next to it is Trenton, which is, you know, a lot of minorities, racial minorities, they're all Christians, but they're facing such a lot of prejudice. Even in the town I live in, Princeton, a good number of pop, uh, people, about 20% or maybe even more, are from Latin America. They are from Guatemala, Mexico. They do odd jobs. They work in gas stations. They are they provide the labor labor kind of class. They're all Christians, okay? But they have not been integrated. They have not been given the rights like you would like he's championing in India, okay? There is no quota for them. There is no quota for them. Uh, so this idea of uh, how he intends to solve the problems by converting people into Christianity is actually bogus. It is, it is, uh, it is, uh, uh, it, it's a fraud because, you know, it's like a doctor selling you some quack solution, some, some uh, cure, and he's got the same disease and he hasn't been able to cure it. So it's a fair thing to ask, well, why don't you cure yourself? So if he and his handlers in this Breaking India Nexus sitting in the, in the United States and other countries think that they can solve India's problems, they should solve their own problems, which, which are far worse, actually. So, uh, then he says, another category of good NRIs are people like Bobby Jindal and Nikki Haley and uh, Ambassador to India Richard Verma because they're converted to Christianity. So you see, he, his problem with NRI is a problem of Hindus. It, it, it just, uh, that is very clear from all the examples. And of course, his partners are all people based here, you know, whether it's Joseph D'Souza, who's based, who's a Colorado, Denver, Colorado based organization and all these other people who are sponsoring him. So he's hardly in a position to, to criticize me as an NRI when that's his entire source of uh, patronage, funding and, and so on. Now, a very interesting fact about him, many of you probably don't know. You know, he's a member of ICSSR, even today. That's a body the top body in the uh, HRD ministry to give grants on social sciences all over India to universities, think tanks, various uh, research organizations like CSDS in Delhi where, you know, a lot of these very ultra left wing and human rights people and uh, Dalit Christian type people are nurtured, uh, given a voice, given platforms, media journalists are trained, NGOs are trained. So that whole funding comes from ICSSR Besides foreign funding from Ford Foundation type people, there is also a lot of domestic funding. The domestic funding from the government has been channeled for many, many years. This was set up in the previous governments. ICSSR is Indian Council of uh, uh, Social Sciences Research. Uh, so ICSSR, you would think that two years into the new government uh, would have changed. But uh, Kanchailaya is a, a big shot in ICSSR today. That's something very, very fascinating. Yeah. So then a question asked in this uh, scroll interview or, uh, with him is, uh, why are so many crowds during Modi? And he says, these are the Hindus who come to abuse the liberal left and progressive forces. It's just name calling. He doesn't have to cite any example, any evidence. He doesn't have to give any statistics, any data. And scroll doesn't feel that they have to nuance it and question him. Uh, he just has to go and make these insulting remarks and, and it's considered, uh, uh, you know, it's considered uh, okay. Now, uh, then he says that uh, uh, people like me are anti-India. Okay, that he, he thinks that he is pro-India. The, and all this uh, big network he's created are actually the saviors of India because according to their ideology they are the ones who are saving India and it will be a post-Hindu India 
in his eyes that will be the great India and Hinduism will be dead. So since I am somebody who is protecting and defending Hinduism, I am anti-India because the India in his eyes is not uh, Bharat Varsh, it is not based on Sanatana Dharma, it is, it is a kind of uh, Christianized India. Now uh, here is a quote from his article, this is Kanchailaya, today's paper, today's article. When people like Malhotra are there or when people like Subramaniam Swami talk the way they do, then not only nations but also communities and cultures get destroyed. So I'm, wow, I'm a person who is destroying. Now the interesting thing is he comes from a, he has adopted a civilization which has not had mutual respect. At best they have tolerance but they do not understand mutual respect. So how is it that a Hindu like me who is promoting and explaining the advantages of mutual respect is considered to be a destroyer whereas he is a flagship, flag bearer, a trumpeteer, drum beater of a civilization that has had an unparalleled history of conquest around the world, slavery, genocides, yeah, unparalleled. I mean there's good competition between Islam and Christianity in terms of who's been more destructive. And for him to wag his finger and say that people who represent Hinduism are the ones who are destroying it is absolutely bizarre. I mean I just don't understand that. So uh, I want to close by saying that um, we do have a lot of social problems in India. We should acknowledge it. And we should take ownership of these problems ourselves and make a commitment, and we are. I mean, there are a lot of organizations, many NGOs, Hindu NGOs, many, uh, you know, dharmic groups that are doing a lot to uplift the, the lot of the poor and the disenfranchised. We have systemic issues, we have individual issues. My position has never been to deny that. My position has never been to say we shouldn't help these people. My position is only that we do not need foreign intervention. My position is we do not need Dalit Freedom Network based in Colorado or Ford Foundation or U.S. Congress putting sanctions or people like uh, Kanchailaya running around making a big career trying to champion all this stuff against India. We do not need such people. But we do have to take the problem as our own problem, take ownership of the problem and do something about it. I want to tell you this. If you read my books, you will find that what I have been saying makes more and more sense as time goes by. Please read my books, please read my uh, blogs, my, watch my videos. More and more people are getting energized by what I have written, by what I have been saying and fewer people are in denial. People may not know what to do and they don't feel fully empowered to actually solve the problem but hardly any person I come across who is genuine, honest, open-minded, intellectual will say that the problems I have talked about don't exist that I've just made this up. I'm just a conspiracy theorist. That's no longer the case. So I want you to be very confident that those of you who've been following me are following something very important, very historic. And you should you should get more friends to follow this, more friends to uh, join my, my Facebook. There is a clash of civilizations going on between the, uh, the uh, uh, Christian and Islamic worlds. India is in the crosshair. It's the largest available, uh, you know, population of uh, people that the Christians want, that the Islamic expansionists want. It's like they are fighting each other, but in India they're collaborating. 
Why? That's because, you know, two predators that are competing, they come across this huge elephant and they both think, okay, we'll work together and finish him off and there's enough food for both of us. That's kind of the psychology. And that is exactly the kind of deal which the Indian left has mediated. They brought the Islamic forces and the Christian forces together under the left leadership to make this kind of a nexus to take on Hinduism. Okay, because once they feel Hinduism can be defeated with, with the work of people like Kanchalaya and many others that I talk about, then they think that there's enough uh, population, enough territory, enough loot, uh, enough to go around for all the predators. Okay, so it's very important for us to know that in international geographies and in international circles, Islam and Christianity are at war, but in India they work together. And this is very sad that we haven't understood this game. So, uh, in the next 10 to 20 years, and I want to close with a very uh, sober thought, in the next 10 to 20 years, I may not be around, but please mark my words, the things that I've been predicting, that I'm scared about, are happening, that, unless something gets done. Unless we change course, we are losing the battle, because there's external money, ideology, new leadership coming, pressures, sanctions, all of that, and internal, our demography is changing. The population is shifting. And Hindus are becoming more and more con uh, confused about, you know, are we, is it, are we different? Are we the same? Should we become Sufis? Uh, you know, maybe Jesus is a yogi. Uh, you know, all of that to make us feel okay. All right? So that we lower our defenses. We don't complain. And in the meantime, things get worse. So please be careful. Uh, take note of it. And my parting uh, request to you is, do read a few pages a day of one of my books. Maybe five pages. Don't try to read 50. Maybe five pages. Maybe read twice. If Join a book club. Uh, we have book clubs online, offline, in various places. Learn together. Because that way people can understand, people can share experiences, they can uh, teach each other. It's very useful. It relieves pressure for me so I can move on and do new things. I have 15 more books to write. I ha I'm always looking for help. And I'm thanking people like those who are watching this uh, for all the support I get. So I continue this dialogue with you using this medium. This is a very good medium. I'm going to put a lot of my time and energy into this. And until I come back uh, uh, later. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, do keep sending your comments. Uh, in the next uh, event, I will answer those comments, uh, hopefully, and continue uh, telling you more about uh, the same issue and other issues. Thank you very much. Namaste.